Well, hey, Table Church, Pastor Phil here, and you are listening to the first of what I hope will be many installments of a new podcast that I'm going to do. It's just going to be on a regular podcast feed. It'll come up, it'll come down, uh, download to your phone or whatever you've got it set to do. But um, I don't have a name for this yet. The point is that there's always some leftover material, it seems like, uh, from my sermon that doesn't make the cut. Stuff that I you know, researched or wrote, uh, but then I had to kind of drop it because maybe I needed to make space for something else or I needed to cut for time or just didn't quite fit with the theme, but still things that I might want to share and has to do with the, the topic that we're, that we're discussing. And so I'm still thinking of a, of a name for this. If you have any ideas, I kind of, I want it to be like table themed, you know, like the second course or the, the takeout or the, second breakfast. I don't know. <laughs> if you have any good ideas, let me know. Um, but I'm shooting for, you know, 10 minutes or so, just a little bit of extra content, deeper dive into the topic from Sunday. And so we kicked off a series on Sunday called Sojourners, the good news for immigrants. We're looking at the topic of immigration and, and refugees throughout the scriptures. Um, this is something important for us as a church because we also just launched in January our Immigrant Connection site. Uh, we are now officially an immigrant connection site, which means that we can offer uh, high-quality, low-cost immigration legal services to people. I say we. It's not me, and it's probably not you. It's Taryn Obink and Natalie Wiseman. <laughs> they have gone through a year's worth of training and shadowing. They've worked really, really hard. They uh, they filled out a big application that sent they sent into the government, and then we waited for like three months to get the word, and we finally got it that we are approved. So... Uh, the ladies have been hard at work. They've been at the meat plants in the area, working with the employees there. They've had uh, clients come into the ministry center to meet. Um, some really, really incredible things going on there. Really, some of it's heartbreaking and, and some of it's difficult because you can't always help everyone. Sometimes the answer is just, I'm sorry, nothing can be done. And so pray for them as they navigate this this new work. Um, and you're going to be learning a lot more about it. And also, hopefully, as time unfolds, more and more ways that you can get involved. But anyway, I'll talk about, I talk about that in the sermon from Sunday. So if you were, if you heard the sermon, you've heard that. Um, if you haven't, be sure to listen to that. Um, but one thing I want to say right out of the gate here is that this series and series like it, and every February, I try to preach a series that has to do with biblical justice. And that's a pattern that we've had here at Table Church since the very beginning, actually. I don't really know why. It's just maybe it's because February is Black History Month or something. But I just feel like every year I want to do something around the topic of biblical justice. Um, and this year it, it has to do with refugees and immigrants. Um, but the danger with a series like this is that it could become kind of a heavy yoke, you know, um, where it's like, oh, I, I guess I'm not doing enough. Um, if I'm not doing this, then I'm not, I'm not a good Christian. I'm not cutting it as a follower of Jesus. And I specifically think about, like I shared a story in the sermon you might remember, um, where I got a phone call at 5.45 in the morning. It was from a friend of mine who is a refugee and she needed help. And I kind of use that as an example of like, hey, Table Church, are we ready for the 5.45 a.m. calls? Because I think once we are, God might God might use us, you know. And um, I, I do think that, that w- when we're willing to be obedient, God will put things in our path that we never really imagined. And, um, the, the, the problem though, with a illustration like that, well, there's two, number one could come off as like a humble brag on my part. Like, Hey, look how holy I am. (laughs) Right. I hope that's not how you heard it. It's not certainly not what I meant. 
Uh, it's just actually something that happened to me literally the week I was writing a sermon on helping refugees. And I'm like, how can I not work this in? <laughs> right. Um, and I just felt like, I do feel like it's something that God is stretching me in right now. And I guess part of my job as your pastor is, is maybe being vulnerable about these things and showing you a little bit about what God's doing in my own life. And uh, hopefully that can be an inspiration to some of us. But um, I don't want it to come across as like a humble brag. I also don't want it to be a heavy yoke for you where you're going, oh man, I'm already like overwhelmed in life. If what it means to be a part of this church and to do the things that they're teaching is that I got to like, you know, get up at crazy hours and, you know, go do these things. I, I just don't know if I have it in me. Um, and so I want to acknowledge that and hopefully you understood it as just this kind of a symbolic example, not so much a literal one of, of a general posture of being available to God, um, and, and letting him stretch us. And I think that we can trust God as a good father to stretch us in ways that he knows are appropriate for us, you know? Um, so anyway, I just wanted to put that out there and, uh, make sure nobody misconstrued or misunderstood kind of my heart behind it. Um, but also I want to kind of dig in a little more to the scriptural side of things. You know, this series, ultimately we talk, I say it's about immigrants and refugees. It's about hospitality. It's about biblical hospitality. And I'm realizing is the more I read the Bible and the more I study the Bible, I'm realizing that hospitality is about as central of a theme in the Bible as you can find. I'm going to say that again. Hospitality is about as central a theme in the Bible as you can find. And I know when I say hospitality, you're thinking like, oh, like having friends over for dinner. <laughs> That's not biblical hospitality. I mean, it's not not biblical hospitality, I guess, but it's not all that there is to biblical hospitality here. Um, and hopefully by the end of the series, you'll kind of understand what I mean. It's a, it's a posture towards the outsider and the stranger and um, the foreigner a posture of welcome and compassion and love. Uh, that's ultimately what we're talking about. And in this, in this sermon from Sunday, I kind of looked at hospitality from a micro level, the Old Testament laws and um, some of the writings in, this, in the Old Testament about what, how God commanded Israel to treat foreigners and things like that. Um, and so it was kind of a micro level approach where I'm just like, here's a verse, here's a law, here's a statement, you know. Um, but if you zoom out in the scriptures, hospitality can be seen not just at the micro level, but also at the macro level in a huge way. I mean, just think about this. The act of creation itself is an act of hospitality. It's essentially God saying, I want to create humans and invite them into this triune community that I have, right? I mean, what does Jesus say in John 17? He says, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Listen, may they also be in us. That is, a, that is essentially showing us that God is a God of hospitality. He, he is inviting us in to his eternal community that he has as the triune God. Uh, salvation, it, I mean, what is it other than God's eternal welcome? to us who have been estranged from him, you know, it's an eternal welcome that he, that he, um, that he enacts through the giving of his own life, right? Through the, the, the giving of his son to die, that we might be adopted into his family. And so hospitality is not something that's kind of added on. And, and, and when we look at it only from the micro level, 
we just kind of read passages where God tells his people to, you know, love foreigners and things like that, you might think, okay, it's, it's like one of many things on a list of what we should be doing. Um, but when you zoom out and you see it from the macro level, you realize, oh, it is actually inseparable. It is the, the substance, you know, of, I don't know, salvation in a very real sense. Okay. So hospitality, I just gave you an example of how it's, it's a theological category. Like it's something that we can't, that we can't avoid. Um, it's also just woven throughout the entire biblical narrative. And so here's another example in the way that it's kind of a macro topic uh, for us as Christians. It's not just something that pops up in a handful of verses. It's like the entire thread of scripture is a story of, uh, that involves hospitality in some sense. It starts with Abram, who becomes Abraham. God tells him to leave his land. Um, every one of Israel's patriarchs, every one of kind of the, the big, uh, I don't know, founding fathers of Israel, you know, Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and so on. They're all called aliens or foreigners at some point. I say aliens with air quotes. You can't see me because that's just the word the Bible uses. I don't really want to call anyone an alien today, but that's the Bible word that's often used. They're called foreigners at some point, every single one of them. Moses, he's a foreigner in Egypt, right? His people are enslaved in Egypt. They are, and this comes up throughout the Old Testament all the time. God's saying, hey, remember, you yourselves were once, you know, in Egypt, as he's telling them to be kind to the foreigner. Now, the Old Testament story is the story of Israel trying to get to their land, right? They're outside of their land. They're trying to get to the promised land. And then it's the story of them trying to stay in their land. (laughs) And then it's the story of them trying to figure things out after they've been forced out of their land. And so the whole narrative is this, I mean, almost all of it has to do with we're not home. What do we do? And uh, throughout the Old Testament, Israel's often judged based on how they're doing in the hospitality category. If you read the book of Judges, the book of Judges is just a dumpster fire of disobedience. And there's kind of this downward spiral as things get worse and worse and worse um, for, for Israel as they're disobedient to God and, um, and things like that. There's some real hospitality disasters in that book. I'm not even going to say it in the podcast because you might have kids in the car or something. And uh, there's some really grisly stories in there of what happens sometimes when, when, when Israel or when others are not hospitable. Um, but then there's other stories in the Old Testament where these amazing examples of, of when it works, right? When people are doing what they're supposed to, what can happen? For example, the entire book of Ruth is a shining example of what it can look like when things are done right in terms of hospitality towards the foreigner. So, I mean, the book of Ruth is essentially a story of subversion, subverting uh, racial stereotypes. So Ruth was not an Israelite. She was uh, a Moabite. And if you read Deuteronomy, you'll, you'll see that there was a time where the men of Israel, they slept with Moabite women, they intermingled, intermarried or whatever. They weren't supposed to do that. They were kind of, um, I don't know, encouraged to worship the Moabite gods. And so it's just kind of the story of, of, um, of idolatry, uh, disobedience on Israel's part. And from that point on, Moabite women kind of have this reputation in Israel as being like um, temptresses, you know, and things like that, right? Like classic kind of example of blaming the women for the men's bad behavior. 
but nonetheless, that's that's the stereotype that emerges about a Moabite woman, a Moabitess, if you will. And then you open the book of Ruth and you and you have, okay, um, Ruth was married to Naomi's, one of Naomi's sons. Naomi is a Hebrew. She's an Israelite. And so her sons are too. And, the, and, and, and he, their son married, her sons married Moabite women, Ruth being one of them. And so all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, these guys are, aren't doing what they're supposed to. They're not supposed to marry Moabite women. And, um, and you, you bring in all that baggage perhaps of, um, all the racial, all the stereotypes about Moabite women that Israel would have had. And already we're off to a start where we're thinking, okay, where's this going to go? Right. But what happens is that stereotype is subverted in Ruth because Ruth ends up being like an incredible example of virtue. Um, and not only that, but, but the Israelites in the story, uh, like Boaz, they do what they're supposed to as well. And essentially you have this harmony that emerges where, um, Ruth is faithful to Naomi. Um, Boaz does everything he's supposed to. They, they take care of Ruth, you know, when they don't have to, but they do it because they're just, they're good. Um, and, and bottom line, Ruth becomes an ancestor of Jesus. You know, she works, she's worked into the, the lineage of Jesus himself. And, and so it ends up kind of being the story of like, look, look at the wholeness that can come, uh, when we actually live the way we're supposed to before God. And that's at least one of the ways that I would summarize the story of Ruth. So being an outsider, being a foreigner is a huge part of the story of the people of God. And God constantly reminds his people that that's what we are. And it's almost like God wants his people to see themselves the way, that way, as a reminder that, that they're supposed to be a blessing to, quote, all nations of the earth. That's what God tells Abraham early on when this whole thing gets kicked off. He says, you're gonna, you're, your descendants will be a blessing to all nations of the earth. Um, and then, of course, we get to the New Testament. And what does Peter refer to the church as? He says this, dear friends, you are like foreigners and strangers in this world. So the point here is that part of the sign that we are God's people is that we will identify with those who are displaced because we too are displaced. And out of that truth, out of that fundamental knowledge of who we are, our identity flows our God-given compassion and love. And it also flows our continual need to rely on him. Uh, Nobody understands being vulnerable more than a refugee, right? And, and so when, when God continually reminds us like, look, your existence is contingent upon my faithfulness to you. It helps us identify with God. It helps us identify with, with people in that situation as well. So anyway, there's a few, I went over, I see I went way over 10 minutes. Uh, thanks for hanging with me this whole time. Uh, but check back next week. Can't make any promises. I'm not preaching next week. I don't know. A couple weeks, maybe I'll have another one of these. Let me know if you liked it. Reach out, give me feedback. I appreciate it. Thanks everybody. Bye.